This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. We're getting closer to the 2022-23 season. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me to discuss the final week before the new season kicks off, Mr. Phil Shaw and Mr. Chris Budd. Welcome hello, back. Hello, 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 hello. How are you? Uh, do you want the, the real story or do you want the uh, the podcast version? Uh, both. <laughs> It's been a no, no, we'll just everyone. stick to the podcast version. Oh, yeah, I'm great. Yes, good, fine. Good. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> not too bad. Birmingham is buzzing it with is. the uh, Commonwealth game. It has had a positive effect. So Birmingham and its big bull. You just have to walk into town and it's uh, it's like a European city. You have to walk into town because the trains are off. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, there's the train strikes, of course. But uh, Although I did uh, bike into town on the day of the marathon and found myself... Uh, on the on, on the actual marathon, uh, I was in between the leading pack and then whoever had dropped <laughs> off. So I came into uh, Chinatown, and uh, when you come in at the bottom, you, you go through the gay village first. So I was, dri- I was driving up uh, the road, and uh, there was all these gay guys giving me a round of applause and, like, uh, you know, whooping it. So uh, then I, that was when I realized, oh, I'm on the marathon uh, track. And then the next thing, just to confirm I was on the marathon uh, track, was when the police started shouting at me, Oi, bicycle! over here <laughs> so i had to kind of double back and get off it yeah the ceremony was brilliant wasn't it it went through the marathon went through uh Cannon hill park which is kind of nearby uh in, in nearby edgebaston so i've got edgebaston the cricket going on as well so uh even uh just locally uh it's kind of uh taken over the city and it was up your end as well wasn't it the yeah i had the triathlon down in Baltimore, which was really good buzz on friday when i went for that really good vibe yeah, so we've got tickets for the uh, the Blue Ribbon event, uh, the beach volleyball, in a few days' time. And Aussie, then Aussie, off- Aussie, oi, oi, oi. And then I'm off to see uh, a couple of uh, days of the athletics as well. But yep, uh, all, well, all the prime movers seem to be pulling out. Hopefully the Jamaicans will be there, though. Yes. Now I'm the going to the closing, actually, on uh, on the Monday, which should be good. I'm interested to see if it, how it matches up to the extravagant opening ceremony with Duran Duran in their fancy outfits. The, the opening ceremony was very surreal. That's what I yeah. liked about it. It was, it was yeah. there was kind of avant-gardeness to it. And then when you saw Nick Rhodes, the keyboard player of uh, Duran Duran in a uh, yellow neon suit with, I think, neon pink shirt. And then he put those neon yellow shades on. It looked like he was the mastermind of the avant-garde. But the bull was the best thing. And I did I did check out the bull up close and personal in uh, Centenary yeah, Square. Yeah, Centenary Square, which uh, you should go and see if you are uh, in Birmingham it or passing impressive. through. Yeah, I mean, to get it together, I think it was only five months it took them to build it. It seems a bit last minute, but it's, it's came together well. Yeah, no, it's very good indeed. Uh, and and it was quite kind of poetic and emotive for the actual opening ceremony uh, with it. So Birmingham is on a high and buzzing and... Uh, Perfectly sets the uh, the tone for the return of Aston Villa, which uh, <laughs> soon <people>. change that. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why they 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 were like, uh, Can you play yeah, away? <laughs> we, we're, we're going to play the first game away. If you don't mind, we don't want to shit on the Commonwealth Games and ruin the buzz. <laughs> <laughs> They were like, yeah, no problem. Uh, we can have the first three games away if you want. <laughs> we're, we're joking, people. We're joking. It's going to be a great season. We're going to finish, oh, uh, at least fourth. Anyway, we'll get on to... Uh, <laughs> we're going I, to I get know what you're thinking there. Fourth from top or bottom. That was a, this, <laughs> I know. I was not thinking that, Phil Sure, I was thinking top. This is you. you. You bring this show down with your pessimism all the time. <laughs> By Christmas. People giving me shit online... Uh, 
about the last show say and I, but i think the, the last show was it was just like a dose of realism i, I realized we hadn't actually flicked on the the hopium switch uh, or the hype machine uh, just yet but uh we'll, we'll do that this uh episode but uh the realism well actually maybe we won't <laughs> give it a damn good go <laughs> we'll we'll try but uh there's still issues there's still issues and you know it's uh, you can say we're going to win the league and all that kind of crap as uh, other people probably will but uh, at the end of the day uh there's some concerns we'll talk about those coming up in the show we'll have the villa news we'll get into uh, the three points quickly before uh we're going to look at the captain situation. I think that's the big talking point, and you can read a few things into that as well. Before, I think broadly, we're not going to preview the season, uh, but we will uh, talk about that first 11 and uh, see if we can come up with the best first 11 and what Gerard might be thinking. We will uh, do our league uh, predicted finishing positions and probably who's going to win the league and all that kind of stuff in the uh the patron after hours extra show which will be a regular feature this season to give you some regular weekly bang for your buck uh in terms of extra shows on the members uh channel we're now we re- renamed the uh my old man said patrons the my old man said members and there's a members club which has match club in it where we will uh it, well it's 24 7 but so uh, we do meet up virtually for the away games and we will be uh, also meeting up occasionally in the flesh also uh during the season for home games as well right uh it's time for some news shall we talk about uh the inaugural scottish tree hugging championships or the villa news <laughs> Let's go with the Villa news, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you're scared. You're scared of the alternative. <laughs> it's it's kind of like tree huggers and Morris dancers. Phil Shaw, how do you win the uh, tree hugging? Yeah, what uh, is a good tree hug? I don't I don't know. Is it, is it how far you can get your arms around or something? Or I have no idea. How much love you give? Yeah, I'm not for said tree. We'll leave that one for the listeners to Google, uh, I think. Villa news, it is. Right, uh, the headline, probably news, uh, is the, uh, would you say controversial? I, I probably didn't su- uh, surprise some people. Uh, John McGinn is the new Villa captain uh, for the season ahead, chosen by Stephen Gerrard. But then it gets interested. Emmy Martinez is the vice captain. You think, well, yeah, okay, fair enough. Ashley Young, club captain. Fair enough. I don't think you really needed to give him uh, a title, but I suppose uh, it kind of works, doesn't it? But then to throw in that Diego Carlos is also a vice captain. Now, in mm. terms of Mings uh, being uh, dethroned, you're thinking, well, yeah, okay, it's, it's his choice, McGinn over uh, Mings. If you want to make Martinez a vice captain, I understand that in terms of stature and, and his standing, you know, where he is in the game, obviously, his exploits with Argentina. But, uh, and not to give Mings any role, okay. But then to actually say, oh, actually, Carlos is also vice captain, that's a real one two to Mings, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. But we'll uh, we'll discuss that uh, in detail because it kind of feeds into uh, the general uh, overall picture of yeah. uh, where a Villa are heading. Uh, friendly matches. Uh, we'll also talk about uh, that uh, later as well. Uh, Villa, you know, Rennes decent opposition, finished fourth in the French uh, league last season. Uh, so they're a decent outfit. So to beat them two one was a uh, positive result. It wasn't the most exciting game, but I think everybody who went uh, to France to see it had a better time. Uh, than what was what they were watching probably also uh, the night before Villa beat Fulham 1-0 in a kind of behind closed doors friendly with the other players uh, that didn't go to France uh, playing in that just to uh, get more minutes uh uh, Danny Ings scored in that 1-0 win. There'll also be a further game. I think we did this, was it last season or the season before? Yeah. Where we actually had another friendly after the first game of the season and uh, Gerard's obviously called in some favours with his uh, Liverpool chums. So after the Bournemouth game, uh, there'll be uh, a Villa eleven playing Liverpool as well. Uh, interestingly, uh, no sign of uh, Bertrand Traore or uh, Freddie Gilbert playing with the senior squad or, or appearing in these games as they've been training with the under 23s uh i think that's a, a, a kind of a bomb squad i think gerard's had enough of Chore, uh i would guess i mean we we saw him as an unpredictable player that was like useful off the bench but he, he he's not like an impact off the bench is he it's uh not enough mm-hmm. yeah it's like he needs to play 30 minutes to do one 
decent yeah. thing, doesn't he? I think you said it in the last show. It's like, you just don't trust him. Yeah, we haven't got time for any of these kind of players now. We need players that get on and do the business. So, uh, you know, if he's going, he's going. Uh, the latest batch of fixture changes uh, for TV broadcasts happened uh, to cover the month of uh, October. Four uh, Villa games have been kind of butchered up from their uh, Saturday uh, original spot. I think it's just Newcastle now uh, in this calendar year that's left, well, left this year in terms of a, a Saturday fixture. Ridiculous. As you uh, would have seen, Villa have uh, basically taken out a loan with Barclays secured against the next two seasons broadcast revenue uh, this is kind of normal practice uh, especially when you got a new stand uh, coming up uh, to pay for and uh, i think that's the main focus here uh, as opposed to uh, player purchases etc they, they're obviously factoring because obviously we did get some greenish money although that was largely spent already you know, the likes of newcastle have done it recently as well but uh, you know villa have done it as well anyway i think that's uh, the main news uh, wrapped up there. Now for something uh, that's not really news, but people uh, outlets just put these things out just to uh, make cash. It's time for Media Muppets. Right, Phil, what's in the uh, Media Muppet trough this week? Well, I'm going a bit highbrow this week, or well, maybe not highbrow. It's the Guardian's turn this week, and their writer, Jonathan Wilson. But it could have been any of the big-name writers tripping over themselves to say that uh, Erling Haaland is not a fit for Man City after one game. Now, he went with the headline, Will Man- Manchester City play to the strengths of Erling Haaland after Liz- Liverpool loss? Then there was... The Guardian like to be contrary, because uh, they, they, you know, they ran some articles poo-poo in the Commonwealth uh, games uh, because of the colonial past. And it's like, well, everybody knows that. Hello. So why do yeah. you want to shit on Birmingham? And why do you want to shit on, the, uh, you know, Birmingham's parade having to go through all this eff- effort? Why, you know, why do the, it's almost like woke negativity. But so give it, give it to them, sure. Yeah, but then we had worse. We had, <laughs> we had Chris Bascom of the, the Telegraph, who seems to have been watching a different game. He goes, when Haaland boarded the city coach after the game, he must have taken a backward glance to check Van Dyke was not following. If this was a sporting encounter, the authorities would have issued the Liverpool defender with a restraining order. Well, I mean, that's, that's boxed. Because, I mean, if you watch the game, Haaland should have had a hat trick. He might only have had 16 touches, but he got free from Van Dyke three times at least, and he would have scored three. I mean, I'm not going to write Haaland off after not scoring in the community shield because he, he looks dangerous every time the ball goes anywhere Haaland is going to terrorise this league because he's up for it. I mean, you know, I, I just saw the highlights of that game and I, I was thinking, why are people slagging him off? It's like, do you know anything about football? He's a beast. He's just going to terrorise. Uh, he's like what Colin Moore probably should have been. Uh, and what someone like a Drogba was at Chelsea, he's just going to bully yeah. people and score goals. And it, yeah, But he's fast as well, isn't yeah. he? He's, Deceivingly uh, so. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's so strong. But he's fast and any, his anticipation is great as well. I think, you know, Roy Keane, uh, I think he was doing commentary for that game and he said, you know, he's scoring minimum 20 goals this season I'd agree with that yep so, and I think uh, at least six of them are going to be against Villa <laughs> in the first half <laughs> we should have brought two other Diego Carlos when we're 5-0 so. up at half time <laughs> yeah it's going to be intriguing Right, three points. Uh, first point, uh, the obvious one. Uh, the uh, England women won the Euros uh, for the first time and uh, also had the uh, sweetness of it being at uh, Wembley. And against Germany. And against Germany. Uh, we, had to, we, we needed a Dutch coach to pull it off, though. <laughs> <laughs> but we won't say that too loud. But uh, Hannah Hampton, who's uh, obviously Villa women's goalkeeper, was uh, in the squad. And Jill Scott, obviously, returning from a uh, loan at Villa. So uh, congrats to them. But something I like about the women's game, it's just that it still has that essence of what football should be about. There's just genuine enthusiasm and, and delight. And, you know, the players are a lot more erudite and enthusiastic like after the game as well. In yeah, I, I loved seeing the post-match stuff. They were just so... It wasn't the, you know, generic bullshit media-trained answer that you get from footballers with a load well, of... Boring. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, they were just absolutely overjoyed. It was brilliant to watch. Just genuine. And, yeah. you know, dancing to every everything that was on the PA, uh, like the fans were. So it's like uh, a lot, lot more closer to the fans than... Yeah. Uh, 
football has become because you know they're almost desensitized to winning medal you know men's game because they don't care because the, it's the money in the bank that's the uh, the focus now and a huge you know a huge novelty for them to play at a full house at Wembley that's sort of like 90 odd near what best part of 90,000 people there when it was a record yeah, they, for a, yeah. a, a final yeah, a it's European brilliant. final sorry and they did well you know Germany were a good side and they they really battled and when they got the chances they took them and then probably one of the if there was ever going to be an example of how to kill a game in the last five minutes and keep the ball in the corner flag. England put on a masterclass for five yeah, minutes. Yeah. It was brilliant. And they enjoyed doing it as well. It wasn't like oh, they it was felt guilty about it. It was like, no, this is about winning. Yeah, it's great. And uh, the winner, uh, just before Kelly scored that winner, I think they, they were getting a corner and she just went to the crowd to like kind of rail the up, crowd up. And, uh, you know, puts, and that's like, you know, getting it on the second attempt is like, that's the kind of predatory finishing. And we were talking about Keenan Davis lacks. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's an example if you needed one. But yeah, it's a kind of a brush of fresh air. And uh, obviously the impact of these things, uh, you know, you look in the crowd, there's lots of uh, young girls and families in there. And, you know, the knock on effect is. Massive, uh, it? You'd think. You, you see it in like, you know, five, 10 years. 15 yeah. years time yeah it's hard to quantify right now but it's a huge moment for well, a women's football probably women's sport as well but mainly it's it's just it's something a lot more uh genuine about it and yeah. uh earnest about it rather than some of the the dross that we have to watch uh in the men's game well and the and the sort of you know, the book the bullshit and the, the levels of money and all the sort of the, the real ugly side of the game that we've spoken about so many times as you say it was just really pure yeah speaking of pure point number two <laughs> Crawley Town sign a midfielder after after a fan vote. Uh, this is uh, and, and this been, I've, I've been monitoring this because I, I have an interest in kind of crypto and NFTs, etc. And uh, this is kind of the most, it's probably the biggest scale version of this, where NFT holders have a say in a team. And this has got down to the uh, to the point that actually they had a vote on what kind of player they should uh, sign. It was a bit broad based, wasn't it? Because the result was we need a midfielder, so uh, they went out and bought a midfielder. Yep, and they they were given a choice of three players. They weren't they specific players: midfielder, defender, and there was a forward. And I think it was just they were given. This is the thing. I don't, I don't know if it was. If- it's a bit disingenuous. Oh, it would have happened anyway. Yeah. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. All right, so it was like, you know, what position should we sign? But you don't know how influential it was because they did actually go out and make a triple signing. They bought a midfielder. Midfielder was the vote, by the way. Midfielder, defender, and uh, forward came in. Yeah. Crawley Town was essentially, it's been like turned into NFTs, hasn't it? Where uh, the team was purchased by a US crypto Web3 firm. Wag Me United. Yeah, short for we're all going to make it. Yeah, which uh, for an estimated twenty million dollars, so it's a you know pretty big deal. But it's like, what have you actually sold your? Uh, have you sold your soul away here? And but there's always going to be involvement, and uh, and footballs, it, it's all about exploitation now, as, as we keep seeing in terms of how much money you can kind of make out of this. But in terms of lower league, you, you have to take more novel approaches. So, uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how this one kind of uh, pans out. But there has been a lot of kind of resistance to it behind the scenes. Meanwhile, point number three, Manchester City, normally kind of ahead of the curve in this kind of involvement of football and the commercial and you know marketing uh, opportunities. This one's a bit weird, though. A smart scarf where it's essentially a fit. Fitbit for your neck, isn't it? It is. I'm a bit disappointed when I heard when I first saw a smart scarf. I thought, oh, does that mean that you can change it to like the so away, the away? <laughs> they press a button and change to the away scarf if needed, or the third kit scarf, or something like that. You know, I thought or whoever's that, winning. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, or even half and half for those degenerates out there. But it's basically uh, it measures. It's like a Fitbit. It measures your heart rate, your body temperature, your emotional responses. But why? Uh, I mean, you know, Ryan Shaw, the director of Octagon UK, who has par- partnered with Cisco, who are basically behind this, said we're incredibly excited about how much this scarf can teach us about fans and club culture. What? It's like they just <laughs> want data. It. These yeah. these companies just want data, 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 and it's uh, it's probably like oh, there'll be certain emotional response that you can definitely sell a beer to a fan instantly if as soon as they thirty seconds after their team scores. 
Yeah, the optimum time to sell beer in a football stadium. <laughs> yeah. Or something like that. It, 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 they're all after data to basically sell you things. It's uh, But the Fitbit scarf, as I'm calling it now, is uh, you don't kind of really need it. And it's like marketing bods going, oh, this is teachers about fans and club culture. Well, you wear a scarf t- to support your team and to keep your neck warm. There's, so that's an insight if you need to know that. Beyond that, there's not really much to learn, is there? You can wave oh, really? it above your head as well. That's one technique of supporting. Well, what is it? What's these scarves cause? I don't think anybody waving them above their heads. Well, yeah, this is the thing. This is just, is this another opportunity just to upsell you? This is the ProFit scarf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be continued. Before we go on, I just want to say a big thank you to the My Old Man Said members, a.k.a. My Old Man Said patrons. We have rebranded it for the 2022-23 season in that revamp you will now as a uh, member get advanced ad-free versions of the main podcast and the sneak peek to the uh, artwork of the uh, edition you will also get uh, an extension of uh, the weekly main show in a weekly podcast called after hours to make sure you get a weekly extra show as well as the other shows which come in a more ad hoc fashion as well as uh, 24 7 entrance into match club which uh has virtual meetups for away games and uh will have uh, the occasional in the flesh uh, meetup uh, pre home games as well but uh, please do uh, join us for this season if you want to support uh, let's say an alternative media source that uh keeps you clear from uh, the toxic nature of uh, Twitter and also away from uh, clickbait nonsense. So please do go to myomansaid.com and click on the uh, members link there. But uh, before we continue, a big shout out to uh, the latest members to join. Thank you very much to the Rust Belt Kid in America. I don't know your real name, but that's a pretty cool uh, nickname to go by. Also, Connor Cleary. And uh, a big shout out to uh, the annual uh, new members as well. Dom Bear, Patrick Mayer, and Nick Salas as well. By signing up as an annual member, you get uh, 10% off, which is just over a month. Oh, and also one more thing I almost forgot. Uh, As a My Old Man Said member, you can enter the Fantasy Premier League league that we have. And this season, the prize will be how many points Villa get at the end of the season, times that by two, and that will be the cash prize in UK pounds. Delivered however you want it, in the dollar equivalent, in the Bitcoin equivalent, whatever. So uh, please do go to uh, myoldmansaid.com, click on the members link for more details, and join us for the 22-23 season. Many thanks. Right. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Main section of the show, uh, just quickly, the uh, the friendly game in France. Reading the tea leaves, I think I called it last show. Against Manchester United, we're thinking, is this the starting lineup? It postured as that. And then here, we have a completely different one. Mings uh, has been disintegrated <laughs> fr- from, our, from our thought processes. <laughs> 
I mean, we, you know, we knew there was a friendly Friday night, but we didn't know the team sheet. So when you saw the team sheet against Ren, and uh, you know, you, you think, oh, he's going with Carlos and uh, Conza, and then you're looking on the subs bench, and it's like, oh, there's no Mings. Uh, you, you thought, ah, oh, okay, he's playing against uh, Fulham, but still, this is this is definitely uh, in Gerard's mind at the time uh, what his opening eleven was going to be against Bournemouth, wasn't it? Because Bailey had solidified his place in the in that first eleven thinking, and so he started. Yeah, because Bailey looks to have jumped ahead of Ings in the pecking order. Yeah, but, but also Buendia and other potential wide players, shall we say. Well, he's probably our, 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 our only out-and-out wide player that you'd start right now. He played uh, two up top, didn't he, against Manchester United? Yeah, well, in the first half he did, and then tweaked it, didn't he, and it worked. So he's, he's returned back to the Watkins option. Watkins still getting a, a lot of uh, people bitching about him uh, online. Yes, he is. I think it's just... it's clearly just a lack of confidence he's not taking things first time that he should it's not that his his general play is bad because he's still doing his running and everything else and getting into the positions it's just he's sort of like dithering a bit over the putting the ball in the net is he like me he doesn't actually know what Villa are trying to do at the moment in terms of how they're setting up maybe I mean I, you know, I, was, I was at Warsaw saw his finish for his goal cracking really well made goal brilliantly finished you kind of think he's fine no, he's not going to score every game no it's just it doesn't feel like an issue to me. Some because people Gerard's just... ch- chopping it up a bit, isn't he? He's changing yeah. his uh, setup. So I, I think uh, Watkins is not necessarily. It's not about him. It's also about uh, the setup around him and uh, the need to kind of ease into that and have an understanding and know what's actually happening, and then people to obviously get on wavelengths together. Yeah, because you'd think playing with Bailey is a completely different experience, probably than playing with Buendia or Ings anywhere near you. So cause yeah, completely. The, yeah, because you you can you can set Billy free if you know what I mean. You can take the ball down as Watkins and play him in, or you have yeah. to keep up with him if he's going to try and get the ball into the middle. Uh, in terms of, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, we'll just wrap off the preseason. I think I, I think it's good to you know be unbeaten. That gives you a little bit of. Uh, it's a good habit to be in, isn't it? It's it's yeah, it's more a habit, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, I've I've seen I've seen it go both ways. I've seen Villa yeah. be absolutely shocking in pre season and then start really well in the league and you know, the exact opposite as well. So it doesn't read really read into it that much. I think it's good more for the fans just to get you on side because Gerard's gonna need a bit of uh goodwill after the team did finish fourteenth and it was a bit of a you know lukewarm end to the season shall we say so it's good to hit the reset button in terms of scores as well and get everybody kind of fired up but you know it's it's going to be an interesting first five or six games to establish exactly where we are i mean i you know i've said all i've all i want to say on the the subject but i still think we're that number eight in terms of the balance of the team i'm still not comfortable with this first 11 uh however he's trying to uh, shape it up and I think there was a real st- statement of intent when he announced John McGinn as the captain and that was the one where I thought ah nothing against John McGinn but I thought it was that midfield position was the one that needed uh, the player that just slots in as a proper number eight and just gives you everybody benefits Coutinho certainly benefits your backline benefits Kamara's got uh, somebody to uh potentially have a you know double pivot if needed but you know just somebody who's uh disciplined and you know you know henderson plays that role essentially at liverpool it's like not somebody you're probably thinking about getting on the back of your shirt but he he just makes he just allows so many other players to play their game and i think at the moment we've got players who are playing compromised versions of themselves like Coutinho is playing almost like within a shell Watkins isn't at the races Bailey's still to really uh, find what he's going to be for Villa I think uh, that'll just come with game time Louise we don't know uh, what he's doing if, if he's good enough to get us to the level where we are want to be which is obviously knocking on the door for Europe and then there's McGinn who does he have the discipline to be the captain uh, I mean I think you know captain everybody likes him he's a funny guy that's all well and good and you know certainly plus points but in terms of on the field I don't know he's, he was always a bit of a maverick which I kind of liked but yeah. it's like people are saying playing you know higher up the pitch well where does he fit in I don't, I don't know you see to me you keep coming back to I think a captain's position in the team should just be the captain you shouldn't be looking for the captain really to do anything else i mean kevin richardson's the one you always keep coming back to you just look oh kevin richardson's the captain what does he do for villa he's the captain that's just it it's not like oh he's the the number 10 or he's Wait, doing he this as well everything together yeah. kept it moving uh-huh. 
Admittedly, you, you'd conversely to that, you'd say someone like Gerard at Liverpool was captain and he was the all-action, runs yeah. the game and talisman. So there's no right or wrong fit. Yeah. I think I mean, McGinn, you, want, you want your captain to be an inspiration, ultimately. Yeah. That's, McGinn uh, gives like, you personality, as we've said. Gerard was an inspiration. Like, you know, you just got to, you, you want your captain to score a bloody winner in en- injury time, you know, like yeah. he did against West Ham in that cup. I do wonder with it if, if he's looking at McGinn saying, he may have said to him, I want to see the McGinn for Scotland in a Villa shirt. Well, he did, uh, in, in that interview, oh, he did he's say, got to level up. Level up. And that was the key thing there. Yeah, we've said it. He, they all know it. Yeah. So maybe it's a case of, I can inspire you. Maybe he thinks actually Mings is at the level he's going to be at now. And there's maybe not the upside. He maybe thinks, actually, I can, I can get McGinn up another gear, which we've seen before, but yeah. just not consistently. But So maybe he's thinking, actually, I can turn McGinn into that player. I can develop Ramsey. Louise, you know, as you said, massive question mark. But maybe they had a look around the market and thought, actually, with the money we've got, we aren't going to buy anyone better yeah. So we need to level up what we've got, which for now I'm all right with. But it's if it becomes a problem, and we'll know, I would have thought reasonably quickly if the system and the personnel aren't working. I think there's room for a lot. Of, well, we've already just discussed this. There's a room for a lot of these guys to level up, and if we want to get yeah. to Europe, they all have to. Then there's pretty much. Uh, Watkins, Bailey, Coutinho, McGinn, Ings, all these guys have got to level up. And and also that goes for the defenders as well. So there is a lot of room for improvement. And we're not just saying, uh, you know, this is an average player. It needs to get good. It's like these are players that have shown they have the quality. It's just the consistency to operate at that level, that top level more often than not. And we haven't been seeing that. That comes with tactics. That comes with good management. No, McGinn, I mean, he's the conundrum is, uh, and that's why said he's a maverick he's capable of uh great great things but it's that consistency is that that's for the rest of the team to know what his role is and where he's going to play it because some people they do target certain sides if they know he's playing in front of cash or something like that they kind of do go down there because they know they might get you know free kicks and uh yep also he goes chasing sometimes as opposed to holding a position um... He certainly likes a revenge tackle, doesn't he? Yeah, so that's that's my that's my doubts on him. And but as Gerard said, there is because he's shown it, there is a chance of him leveling up. Then if he levels up and you know plays a bit more centrally, then there's a there's a chance that yeah, we we can probably get by if he levels up and he's and Kamara is good. But is that going to happen? I don't know. I was, I was a bit concerned that Gerard felt the need to address whether he was droppable or undroppable. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're ma- if you're making him captain, he should be undroppable. That's the reason you get made captain because you're going to be in there every week. You shouldn't need to come out and say what everyone else is thinking in your interview or in your interview. Yeah, because to me, uh, if if the remit is, and I'm not, we're throwing away the sentimentality. If the remit is, we need to get into Europe. And I'm looking at these players and going, right, are these the players to get me into Europe? Is John McGinn ultimately, you know, great in a turkey suit? funny guy scores some great goals gets the crowd going but is he good enough can he contribute to the team to make this a team that's good enough and i'm saying t-e-a-m in capital letters and it's a serious question so yeah when he when gerard did refer to him and go well that doesn't mean you know he's these players aren't droppable it it was that was a concern because it's like well you know what we're thinking yeah when you compare to someone who probably played a similar position the last time we were very good someone like gareth barry he probably was your captain, pretty much the first name on the team sheet, and minimum of a 7 out of 10 every week. Actually, Kamara and Barry in that double two... That'd be incredible. Then that gives you the license to play that three behind your your front man. And... uh, that's that's what we're talking. We're talking about the McGinn thing in the context of that because Gerard's done tried that, and he's also tried the, the let's say Ings and uh, Watkins uh, up front. So if McGinn's playing, he's playing essentially as in the two, isn't he, with Kamara behind? You know, if, yeah, let's say, probably with a bit more license to go forward. But yeah, he's 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 he's, he's the deeper lying midfield role. Well, he's, he's kind of the number eight, isn't he? He's, just, yeah. uh, he's probably just ahead of uh, Kamara in that middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got uh, the three of, uh, let's say, Bailey, Coutinho, potentially Ramsey, and then you've got Watkins or Ings at the top. Yeah, and obviously Buendia if he fits into the equation. Yeah, now Coutinho has to step up. Yeah. He's kind of in a shell at the moment. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I don't, he's, not a, he's not the match winner. He's not 
for want of a better he's not messy he's not empty like out there he's not the best player in the team he is a very good player that you know is out the left hand side of the forwards if you look in, in that Liverpool team there was, there was better players than Coutinho but he was one oh he's popped up with a nice goal there and you know gets the highlight really enough but he was playing on a very good and very attacking Liverpool team but he needs to you know he, need, he needs I thought he'd be on the ball dictating things and Villa were like would be feeding him uh, it's not as if we just signed him uh, in the summer he's obviously had a bit of a uh, he's had a good few months to kind of get in yeah I mean, trying trying to look at the game, he doesn't do a lot of things wrong when he gets it, but it's not he's he's not going like above and beyond. I mean, there's a nice pass he cut through the defense with as well, and he's you know he, he is putting the foot in sometimes, not as much as you would say like Wendy would to get into, to get into that argument again. But it, it is what you say. He's just he's just doing he's just doing enough. He's not really going above himself. Unless he's, we don't know him that well. Maybe he's just one of those guys who's just not. He just hates preseason and regular season. <laughs> <laughs> But no, we're we're talking about uh, the back end of last year as well. Yeah. Sorry, back end of last season as well. It's not you're looking not, for more than moments from him. Yeah, you not, can't yeah, just yeah have there's a not moment. like wow factor or like yeah, yeah, good luck, lads. You're playing as we've got Coutinho. It's not like that at the moment. It's just like yeah. he's another player, and I don't think the opposition are necessarily that bothered about him. Uh, I mean, the only game he showed it in is that Southampton game at home. I mean, he ran the show that day. You and need, Leeds, yeah. Yeah. Like Leeds first half, he was devastating. Yeah. Now that's what we need to see more of uh, and consistently and uh, that's what I was saying about you know that midfield uh, p- position if you've got a steady Eddie then you know he can concentrate more on on the on his game unless he thinks Kamara is that player yeah but I was thinking you need two because how many midfields did we come up against last season that overran us far too many and you know how many times did we lose winning positions by two goals far too many mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so this this is what's my evidence in front of the courts of uh, we need a proper midfielder in the middle there uh, you know Samson was meant to be that man you know he was meant to be the man to bring bite into the midfield so this isn't a, a situation that's just popped up this is something we've been talking about for seasons now Sanson was the first let's say number eight because Kamara's you know he's more uh, to upgrade where Douglas Louise and uh, Nakamba has been playing but Sanson was the first real attempt at addressing that number eight situation or leveling us up and uh, so far that's not happening even though he's kind of bulked up a little bit we'll see with him I suppose it's kind of it's just going to be a big a big question mark you know, even if he'll be here maybe at the end of the transfer window let alone for the season I think he'll probably still be here to be honest well, that game against Ren I don't think we'll be offloading him perfect game to start him wasn't it you know against mm-hmm. against a, a league opposition that he's used to playing against say, right you're back like on home turf here show us why we're saying yes you know this is your chance but again he's just not trusted at the minute yeah. So if uh, if it's so if it's Kamara and McGinn and then the three behind the uh, the striker, are you going with Bailey, Coutinho, and Ramsey? I wouldn't personally. I I think Bailey's done pretty well in preseason, but I'd rather Buendia's on the pitch to start with. I think Bailey has the the potential now. Now we're seeing glimpses of him. He can be such a high impact player for us, but I still don't trust him over ninety minutes with his work off the ball. So uh, so you're saying Buendia, Coutinho, and Ramsey. Or, I mean, I've just yes. said Ramsey as uh, just. I mean, I suppose in the side. maybe in the ideal world, you'd probably play McGinn even further forward if you're going to play that way. But I'd play I'd play those three. Yeah, I think Buendia and Ramsey give you the legs, and it allows a Coutinho to to float around a little bit more. I think I think Buendia is better off the ball than Bailey. In fact, Buendia is better than Coutinho off the ball as well, frankly. Yeah, because let's let's say Sanson was the man, and he was a eight out of ten solid midfielder. You'd play him next to Kamara, wouldn't you? You'd play him alongside Kamara. Then you could, if you want to play McGinn further up forward, put him on the left-hand side of that three. Yep, yep. yep. And uh, away you go, really. Yeah, and you have, and then literally you end up with McGinn, Ramsey, Louise all competing for one spot in that midfield, maybe even four players. But you've got something a bit more defensively-minded uh, uh, in terms yeah. of having McGinn there instead of, let's say, uh, you know, an out-and-out winger or uh, Bailey or Buendia or whoever. But there's still something a little bit lightweightish about this. Uh. It's passive. No, I wouldn't even say it. that's what it means. I mean, the the midfield seems to the wait for the opposition to run at them rather than you know 
darting in trying to get the ball and i mean for, the, for it to be a success when you're playing like you know if you're playing buendia and coutinho together or bailey in there as a three or uh bailey and coutinho they we, we've got to keep the ball and, and we don't do that because you know this isn't a midfield that's going to be winning balls against teams that have got three or four more physical midfielders. This is the uh, the problem. I think it's easy to uh, get on top of Villa and dictate it. We we, yeah. want, we haven't been a team that's winning the possession either. We're which, not a controlling team. And if you've got these players that are like uh, decent, meant to be decent on the ball and uh, can create great moments, they, they need to be on the ball. We need to be controlling or else, because uh, you don't want these players running around off the ball. They need well, to be on you, it. You, you very quickly, as we saw, you become very inefficient. You, know, you look at City, they've always got energy because they just keep the ball. They know that when they can slow the game down, speed it back up. You When you control the tempo of the game, you can play the way you want to play. I think Villa have had to be quite reactive and sort of counter-punch all the time as opposed to saying, other than when we've played teams who were on you know crap form like the Southampton game, that leads away game, etc., where they surrendered. You wonder kind of a Villa sort of a bit one-paced. You know, we aren't going to beat, you know, we haven't used, used to use the example of Liverpool. They can go in behind and go long. They can go direct. They can pass you to pitch. They can win the game in three or four ways. You would think with Villa, if, if plan A doesn't go to go perfectly, do we have the variety either coming off the bench or in tactics where we can win? I mean, you mentioned uh, Bailey off the, off the bench, but I, the thing that I liked about ba- Bailey when he started uh, was suddenly there's, it's, there's something a bit more different. You can go a bit more direct. There's yeah. a bit more pace in it, and and you can fluidly change those players around as well. That three behind the behind the uh, the lone well, striker. Well, he, he does give you pace, doesn't he? Because what Watkins obviously is nippy and a willing runner, but then. You sort of Buendia, Coutinho, Ramsey can shift, but he's not like lightning. You haven't got a lot of just straight line speed. What about if you put Louise next to Kamara and then put McGinn on that left hand side uh, of the three, Coutinho in the middle, Bailey on the right? Maybe it's the thing is, I suppose we've seen Louise in that position enough times to know that uh, is he the real deal as a six? Unless he's the guy who's this been is a bit like more him as an eight. Essentially. Maybe I mean I'm I'm I'm, I'm sort of open for him trying. I, I don't think he's going to be out the door. So I think he's well, he's clearly ahead of Sanson, but he's he's in the mix. It's just whether he sees him as a starter. To me, he's more of a reactive player. He's a bit more of a passive player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he always tends. Yeah, he always tends to do reasonably well coming off the bench, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't know why. I'm I'm sort of thinking of it as you, you need a midfield that's going to beat the most informed team in the championship that for a, for a want of a better word if you get them in the cup a team a midfield that is easily going to outclass them that's not going to get bullied by a more physical team or more sort of higher tempo team in the middle and I, I don't think there's any combination of those villa midfielders that would beat the most informed championship team if you got them in the cup i don't agree with that if i'm honest but i know what you i know what you the, the point you're making because we saw it enough last season you know, we could take it to we took it to a lot of very good sides. We yeah. didn't do it consistent consistently. It's not for lack of quality. We're looking for yeah. consistency in terms of tactics. I think I get the point Phil makes, but I think yeah, it's probably quite an extreme way of putting it. But you want to be able to, you want to have a solid enough system to kind of go to City away and go, we'll be competitive there. Yeah, We're going to go to Liverpool at home and go, do you know what? We can get something here and actually be confident that our personnel and system is not rigid, uh, is sort of solid enough to take it to a team or... You can, as you feel said, you can play against one of the top sides when they're in form and go, we're still in the game here. Yeah, we have probably one of the best selections of players we've had. We said this on the last show. Squad depth is as good as it's ever been. It's just that that little final piece just that makes everything work. And that's, you know, we're having a conversation here about what the midfield should be. This shouldn't even be a conversation. That's the problem here. Every Villa fan should know what the midfield ideally should be. And this is uh, something that I'm not comfortable with at the moment because I don't think we have that level that just picks themselves. Or even that one where you got kind of go, Villa have enough variety that we know that we normally play this way and it's that. But then sometimes we can play. I don't know. Say if you, for example, you flip between a four-three-three and a three-five-two, and you kind of go, "Yeah, do you know what? We've got a solid two deep lads, three off the main striker, and then we can play a straight three in the middle." And we trust that either combination works. I think we've we've talked about it on previous shows about we just don't we're not sure on these key combinations yet. We don't quite know them. The forward line combination. We're not sure of the six and the eight combination. We're not sure about the two centre backs yet. It's just there's, there's there's maybe three key questions that need to be answered before we can class ourselves as that team that can push those top. Yeah, because it's an odd one. Because like go back to Martin O'Neill days, and you know, exact- <laughs> never you knew the team, didn't you? 
Yeah. You know the team, but also you know exactly what's wrong. It's like, it's a great team, just needs a 20-goal striker, like a proper finisher. Yeah. And if you really want to kick on, you need, uh, instead of, uh, probably instead of Petrov, you need like a Gerrard or something, like a real inspirational goal-scoring midfielder, and, and yeah. you win the league, uh, pretty much. You, you, you can challenge for the league. It's, it's that good. Going back to, uh, like, the Ron Atkinson team, you know, that team picked itself, didn't it? Yeah. All mm-hmm. you needed to win that league was Daly and Atkinson not to get bringing his sick note every week because he disappeared for like the last 13 games of when we were running for the he title. Fell off a cliff, didn't it, before? And uh, we just dropped because he disappeared because of his injury. And if he didn't get injured and miss pretty much a third of the season, we, you know, we'd have probably won the first title. That's a, two examples of defined Villa teams. This one, we've got all the talent. And yep. you know, this is exciting. And, and I think it's great that you look at the centre-back situation and you can pick two for, from four players, pretty much, and be comfortable with it. Midfield, you've got a lot of competition, but it's like there's no, uh, as you said, there's no proper lockdown system or lockdown combinations that most supporters are like happy because it's tried and trusted. And we know that it presents a certain level of opposition when teams come and play us. Yeah, and I'm all for having like you know the squad game and being able to rotate and all that stuff, but it would be, would be nice to know that you've got at least maybe eight, nine of your 11 that is kind of, you, you put your hat on. I mean, that Manchester City game pretty much summed up the pros and the cons with what yeah, we've yeah. been talking about, what we've been dealing with the, the last game of the season, where we can actually, we have the quality of players that if we get it right, get on the ball we can create problems and uh you know take it to them and that's what i was hoping we would be at the level of now co- considering some of the money we've spent and the players that we brought in that would give anybody a game on our day and this is what was happening against manchester city but then as soon as manchester city decided right we better do something here because it's the titles at stake we didn't have that solidity in terms of system or uh I don't know, the, what, call it what you want, physical presence or yeah. the kind of defensive shield of just wasn't there. And we knew that because of what Wolves did to us and what Leeds have done to us. Yeah, we just can't take the sting out of the game. It's when, it, when, it, when the other team are, I mean, City were desperate. I mean, you can say City were desperate for change because they needed three goals in 15 months. When a team is desperate and they sort of like go, right, let's go for it. That's when Villa can't hack it at the minute. It's it, it's it's Phil's analogy from last year. It's Villa, Villa last year with the team with the glass jaw. It's yeah. as soon as a team hits hit you with a knockout blow, can we counter punch? Last year, you kind of thought, no, you know, how many times did we overthrow a lead to, you know, a win, come from behind? How many times, Jesus Christ, did we sit in podcasts talking about Villa have gift-wrapped them, the opposition, the win? For me, the the solution to this, that everything we've been talking about, is that number eight position. If you've got, like, I don't know, Patrick Vieira in there, suddenly yeah, you're, you're pretty confident. Like, yeah. Actually, that's the heart sorts itself out. Let's say Kamara's decent as well. Those two... That's you know that's the heart and soul. You know if City need three goals against us, good luck because you know you're going to have to get through our midfield first. You'll probably get one, maybe two, but you're not going to walk through us. And this is what we haven't got. We haven't got that resilience in midfield because it's not tried and trusted. And I don't think we got that personnel. I don't think McGinn's that man for that uh, spot. But Gerard's obviously. Uh, I don't know whether he's got the bad news because he he was the one who actually publicly volunteered that we were looking to get somebody else in in midfield. Mm. Whether we haven't got the players out the door, we were hoping to. Whether uh, they, he had somebody particular in mind and that door is closed and now he's thinking, right, let's big up McGinn. There's a player in there that can get better and I agree with that. But that's where he's he's basically uh, put his money on or who he's put his money on. I think so. I think so. I, I'm kind of accepting now that we might not do any more incoming business mm-hmm. because I think they probably realise that to get the player that they might need, they're going to have to spend a shitload of cash. Hence the bank loan. Yeah. Yeah. I think they might not have to spend it in transfer fee. They might have to spend it in wages because you're looking at one of those, because it's going to be like a cast off of a top six. That's what you sort of yeah. need. I mean, I don't know. You're looking, it's it's like an ordinary player. It's a player that doesn't excite the fans of a top six, but it could make all the difference to a team like Villa. Yeah. Because I mean, the Phillips situation, I mean, you know, as we, as we said, we were never going to get him now at this point, but at the point when we were promoted and Leeds was still in the championship, that was our window of opportunity. But if you just put him in next to Kamara, you're thinking, actually, that that's, you know, that's that sorted out. And then the rest, the more offensive side of the midfield, uh, there's combinations and, uh, you know, that's the intrigue of the midfield is like, 
there's healthy competition there and we've probably got uh, variations that we can play but we need that heart and soul and that's what's missing hopefully Kamara steps up but I think you need that too and I've been saying it all through last season and because of where Kamara's come from with respect I mean I think he's he's got the potential to be a really good player so I'm not going to sort of plane down but because he's come from France we are going to have to just give him that little bit of leeway to get up to speed of the league yeah, I mean, you, you could even argue, well, uh, you might not see the best of him until next season or the season after. <laughs> well, second half of the season, potentially. But I, and I think he's got, as I say, he's got everything you need. It's it's if you've got that person next to him yeah. who can get it out of him, maybe that's why he wants McGinn next to him to kind of be like, well, he's going to be the engine room. He's going to be the heart and soul. Kamara can keep it steady and he can let McGinn go and do what he's actually good at, which you know we've sort of said, you know, it's like the grenade, pull the pin, go and cause devastation and Kamara can just be really deep and be very steady yeah but this is the thing I I don't want him in that position pulling the pin that, that was more if he's up front like for Scotland you know playing further up that's when yeah. you want him pulling the pin but when you need somebody to be disciplined in terms of he's got one mind on what he should be doing uh, supporting the attack but also uh, covering Villa because the amount of times we we're getting caught out in the counter attack because of our fullbacks are bombing forward which is part of the Gerard way so that's what mm-hmm. we're talking about in terms of this number eight position it's to give you insurances when the fullbacks bomb on there's there's a lot of uh, you know it's a number eight it's it's all sides of the game and defensively uh we've been caught out a few times i mean the intriguing thing is uh in that the first season where we almost got relegated that second half after the break the covid break that was when uh dean smith i think john terry did their homework on the defense and the season that followed, it was sorted out, wasn't it? It was a pretty solid unit. It felt that way. It felt that way. We were far more pragmatic. Obviously, Gerard's come and said, right, this is the way it's going to be. He wants to be more expansive. But by being more expansive, if you're not solid as well, or if your ball retention, as we've called it, ball retention start of play comes unstuck, which let's be honest, it has on plenty of occasions, or you can't play at the intensity that Gerard wants in terms of pressing, you're going to come unstuck. But um, you know, I'm not saying this is a Smith to Gerrard thing because the defence lost its way uh, in, in the yeah. you know Smith tenure, and, and I think that's not necessarily on the defence exclusively, but also the midfield protecting the defence, basically the whole the whole defensive teams. unit, wasn't it? Yeah. In terms of a competition at the centre back uh, position, we you know we've obviously said that Mings is uh, is going to have to rise to the challenge because uh, he's, mm. he's been kicked in the balls a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, who who do you start with at centre back? Probably Carlos and Conza, but it might, I'd be happy with Chambers. I, to be honest, I'm happy with Mings. I saw them, yeah. the pair of them at Warsaw up close, and they're both fucking massive. Yeah, you fancy your chances in the air. I I, I thought it would be Mings and uh, Carlos. Yep, like I I'm amazed. He's been so sort of like I know he might not be completely excluded because he could rock up and start against Bournemouth, but I'm amazed that he's just so quick to discard him. Do you think there's been a exchange of words there? I just wonder if. Gerard's looked at it and gone. You know, we've, we're seeing errors every week. You've had, you know, all, a lot of these players have had um, a, more than a fair crack at the whip last season to show me that they they can consistently do what I'm asking them to do. And maybe we don't know the exact message he was saying to Mings. I think he really likes him, but the way he wants to play, he's you know, we're conceding a lot of goals. Are Mings's mistakes being judged the same as uh, other players in the team's mistakes? Because there's there's not a player in that eleven. Oh, they've all that, had them, haven't they? Last year, yeah, they've all had them. But this just seems to be, yeah, Mings's. I think guy. it's the frustration of Mings's ones. It's the playing himself into trouble thing. You know, every every player does it once in a season, but when you're seeing it kind of once a game, it's a little bit of a red flag. I think there was also that reliance on him, like he was the last mm-hmm. ditch man, because you know they were playing this underdeveloped, playing it out the back. Well, I mean, we saw it to a almost laughable uh, situation where we, we Manchester City are pushing us back out for into a corner. Us. Pushing us back into our six-yard box, pressing us back. Liverpool were giving us some issues, and it's almost like the player just gave the dumped it on Mings. Is like, oh, I, you know, I can't do anything here. You know, you're the captain. Do something with it. So I think sometimes he was in a bit of a rock and a hard place. It's probably fair. Midfield's not really helping out because they should be really taking the ball off the centre backs if you're going to do the old uh, play out the back. So there was a la- the lack of ideas really in in terms of it was it was we were playing out the back to a bit too clumsy. If anybody decided to press us properly, we 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 struggled big time. We were in trouble. Yeah, we just couldn't keep the ball for long enough in games. Because if you're slick playing out the back and people press you, then you're drawing them in, and then that's how you you know you get them. Yeah, I mean we saw that in that first half we played against Leeds at home. We walked through Leeds midfield press, 
that's when a player like a Coutinho, you know, can drop into little pockets and he yeah. can just run the game. That's when you're going to get the best out of someone like him, Buendia. Yeah, all of a sudden, guys like Watkins and Ings are going, right, we're in business here today. We can yeah. run in behind. Um, even someone like a Bailey can, you know, get it on the half turn and, and carry the ball. It's, it's just against the, it's the tactics, it's the system, it's making it click. There's so much potential yeah. positive to come this season, but it's just, it's these little tweaks. And now it's, I sort of said this the other day on the radio, but Gerard came in and has talked about this no excuses culture, kind of with the players. Well, now he's got the tools. His excuses are going to be less and less and less. It's on him now and the, and the staff. Yeah, if you're going to be switching captains, it's all on you, son. Yep. <laughs> this is the thing as well. And yeah, this is the thing. Jared hasn't made it easy for himself, has Because there's there's the number one stick to beat him with, as if there wasn't already the Coutinho stick to beat him with, picking him ahead of Buendia. There's stick two, Ming's dropped. Maybe. Uh, I, I mean, that's, there's, I mean, there'll be listeners who are like, well, damn right, Ming's should be dropped as captain. Uh, so I, I, that you can understand Ming's being dropped as captain. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, it was just the fact that oh, are we at the point where McGinn has to be the captain? That was it's like we didn't have that that midfielder that is normally the captain, and you know normally the whether it's the Henderson, the Kevin Richardson, the kind of uh, the boring chap, but or the, like an Andy Townsend, the real yeah, the reliable chap. So it, it wasn't necessarily McGinn. It was more like oh, we we have to have McGinn as captain because uh, we uh, you can see he doesn't want to give it to, to a goalkeeper. Also, I wouldn't give it to Martinez to be honest. I mean. The whole national team over club team that he's the couple of stunts that he's pulled where he was injured for the last game just so he could play for in you know for Argentina against Italy and then that the COVID thing where they you know rigged the books and they, and got, dis- they got banned disappeared for a few weeks that's that's not club captaincy material I mean it doesn't matter if you're the you know recognised as uh, Messi's best mate or you know winning things internationally uh, that kind of marked his card for me I, I have no problem Vice I mean it's, it's because of his standing and you know he's going to play every game is is a good vice captain to have Mm -hmm. but the fact that we haven't uh i mean in terms of mings that you know making carlos another vice captain that was like a real kick in the bollocks of mean mings normally we don't have a another vice captain do we we just have one vice captain and you know all right having uh you've got a vice captain but to actually have a club captain as well in ashley young and then still think that you need to have another vice captain and you know (laughs) giving it to the guy who's uh potentially taken mings's position in the team it's like basically uh, i wouldn't be surprised if mings doesn't battle back into that first 11 i think he's off in the summer next summer quite possibly Mm -hmm. quite possibly but I think if your midfield sorted out, Mings is all right. But uh, yeah. you know, we shall see. Well, we certainly, you know, all of a sudden, you, you, you know, we, as you said, we're competitive. We've got options, so it's like we're open to it. If someone, you know, if it, if it turns out, I don't know, someone like a Chambers comes to the fore at centre back, you kind of go, "Great, we've got options galore here." The bench will certainly be probably the strongest bench we've probably ever had in the Premier League era. Yeah, and I think that's a, a mark against Mings. Was that I don't think he was scoring as many goals as he should be as well because Chambers. Doesn't get as much game time, but he uh, he seems to uh, goals and assists doesn't he? Pops up with key moments. Uh, I mean, in that the, pass in the for the Southampton goal was incredible, wasn't it? You yeah. kind of saw saw what he's about as a ball playing centre back. There, you thought, wow, this guy can play. And it looks like Carlos is going to chip in uh, with yeah. maybe four or five goals as well. It's a good header, Ren. That it's a good it's a good goal. Yeah. Uh, so overall, uh, this is the thing. There's a lot of excitement because you've got a potentially have a good bench you're going to have comp- proper competition uh, in the center back position and let's say up front that kind of uh, attacking midfield upwards that's all great for business <laughs> but it's just that yeah. we haven't got that settled rely upon in whatever circumstance midfield core that everything revolves around and that is our achilles heel i think at the moment that's how i'll frame it yeah it's probably just solidity throughout the side but that that could come and we shall see over the next few weeks how that develops right we're going to go off and do some uh, predictions for the uh for the extra channel for uh, my own said members the podcast it will be uh, coming at you at a regular time as the games will now come fast and furious so uh, please do just follow it on whatever app you get and put your notifications on so you'll be first to know when the show drops hope you are enjoying the alternate uh, cover art uh, from adam at villa spots uh, that we're doing for every uh, main episode i've already come up with a concept for this one which you'll see obviously uh, before you listen to the show hopefully uh, the uh, cover will come true 
Any uh, final words? I was looking forward to getting going now, I think. It's been, it kind of felt like a lot, much longer summer break this year. And obviously pre-season, we haven't been quite as engaged, have we? Because we haven't been in the country. We haven't had those domestic games as much. So even the Warsaw game a few weeks ago, feels like it was a while ago. We were all kind of ready and raring to, to go. I won't be at Bournemouth, but looking forward to the first home game. Yeah, Phil? Yeah, I'm just um, hoping it starts just gives us something to sort of like get behind something to build yeah. to build on you don't you don't want any adversity in the first month because you you can see the way it will go online and everywhere else. You just want everybody to be pulling in the same direction, yeah, yeah. I mean you're hoping uh, to hammer Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> suck it to Everton and then uh, off we go but yeah it would be good to get a positive start after last season when the wheels f- fell off pretty early what, in the proceedings <laughs> yeah exactly and it was like a whoa 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 what's happened to us uh, kind of moment but definitely I mean the, the pre-season this season has been a lot more uh, it's felt more planned in a certain less hectic it's been a calm a strangely calm summer for both you know by Villa standards hasn't it I mean, helped enormously by the early business. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm positive uh, for the season. So uh, bring it on. Let's have a great start. Let's be top by the World Cup. That's what I want to see. Villa top as we go into the World Cup. So everybody's talking about it throughout a whole month. Then if we free fall to like 10th or 11th, so be it. But at least we'd have had our, uh, well, over a month in the sun, almost two months. And we'll have got a load of like Champions League mercenaries joining us because they think we're going to be in the top four. Yeah, hopefully a number eight. <laughs> right, until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.